Hey listeners, welcome to the At Intellect podcast. Today we have with us Sharier, who's the co-founder and CTO of MetaView, a company on a mission to power people decisions with the truth. Sharier is a world-class operator with the rare ability to combine deep technical expertise with a product-minded customer obsession to create dynamic products. Prior to MetaView, Sharier helped grow the engineering team at Palantir. In this conversation, Sharier shares MetaView's founding story. the experiences that led him and his co-founder to start metaview we also dwell upon how metaview is helping organizations level up their interview intellect and towards the end he shares some important tips around mentorship and advice so without further ado let's jump straight into the show hey sharyar welcome to the atlek podcast it's indeed a great pleasure to have you here I know we have been going back and forth since a very long time. I think we started this discussion in December last year or January this year, but I'm glad that you know you are here and we we have got this opportunity to talk to you about MetaView and everything else that that uh, come ahead in this conversation. So very very a very warm welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for being patient in finding the time. No worries. I know this conversation is going to be very, very insightful. So that's why I was very, very much uh, excited to you know talk to to you about what you've been doing since the last couple of years and, and your journey. I think I think that that'll be a good place to start this. So I'll I'll briefly go through your journey, uh, which I mostly got 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 through your LinkedIn. and then you can break a certain pieces of it and you know we can talk about it in detail so you graduated from ucl uh, that is university college in uh, london after studying computer science and then started your career with morgan stanley as a software de- developer then two years later you moved to osper which i believe is a fintech startup and then palantir happened and after a year at palantir you started metaview which is your current uh, startup So, how was your progression like? Like, especially from an entrepreneurship standpoint, I think you were doing really, really well. Uh, you had a great suite of companies uh, backing you up. So, how did that seed of entrepreneurship uh, got sown? Was it at a very early stage where you were at UCL or Morgan Stanley, like something you always wanted to do, or it's it it happened during your volunteer days where you got inspired with something or or something stuck and you really wanted to start metaview and move into like the entrepreneurial phase of your life yeah i think um it's it's hard to know where the i don't think there was any like specific moment in, t- in time where it happened i think there's a lot of it is just the personality um thing is like what do i find interesting i think ever since really to my childhood i was i don't know i don't know if it's entrepreneurship but i was always uh, into building you know um building things um whether it was just for myself for fun or whether it was just like fixing like a small problem in the household or something like that um so i think there are definitely there's definitely like that theme um that's always always existed um there's there are definitely a a set of turning points like in life like all of which were very small ones but then ultimately if you like look back at them they all lead to what you know ended up being metaview um and there's loads of them and I'll miss some of them but like in in particular like, I remember there was I had a I had a friend at university uh, called Michael 
um, who introduced me to the Hacker News, for example, right? Um, and I mean, it's just like a small event. It took about six seconds, um, but like looking back at it, that was like a pretty important turning point. Just like get familiar with ultimately what was the like Y Combinator ecosystem, et cetera, et cetera. I had not, I had, I knew nothing about it. Or um, the the same friend was actually the person who brought Palantir on my radar back in must have been 2011, 2012. Um, and, you know, that that itself kind of re resulted in a multi-year search for Palantir itself and that those cohorts of companies and what they're trying to do and things like that. So I think there's a, these are just like two examples of these turning points. And there's like, I think there's many of them from like early on in childhood all the, all the way to, uh, you mentioned Osper, like working at Osper was a turning point. Meeting Sile, my co-founder, was um, a turning point. There's like so many of these turning points that ultimately result in um, like match with that personality or like the thing that makes you excited, which is working on something uh, that's impactful, like building something. Um, so I think it's a combination of all of these things, but, uh, and they're much easier to look at in hindsight, like look at backwards than like any individual moment. Some of them are very small and you don't really think of them much, but when you look, think back, like mm, that was quite an important moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great uh, point. Um, so sticking on to it, just wanted to just was curious personally, like, uh, like so you were in Palantir before you started MetaView. So uh, I'm I'm not sure if you've heard this uh, Jeff Bezos story in which when he was about to start Amazon, he went to his his boss at that time, uh, David Shaw, and you know he he pitched that Amazon idea to him and. So what, what David Shaw told him that, you know, it's a great idea for somebody who doesn't have a job, right? But you're, you're already working for a great company. I'm not sure why you want to start it. So did that question ever come, come across when you're talking to your friends or talking to yourself about making that move? Like Palantir is a, is a great, great company. It's very hard to get in and you were already doing a good, good job there. So was there a like a moment of doubt or something like that or how did that conversation really happen in your head like how did you convince yourself to get started metaview i think that wasn't much convincing the, i think the most important thing for me was um like a series of events that happened quite a few years before which was meeting a person that you want to start a company with okay. um and that was Sal. i think that's probably at least like for me, that's like the most important part of the journey. Um, and then from then on, the rest of it is not really, um, the way I looked at it is, is like irresponsible for us not to start a company because of we're in a, we're in a particular position of privilege where we can do this. We can do this without, um, well, I think that when Jeff Bezos started a company, the complexion of the world was such that that was just an incredibly like scary thing to do maybe yeah. um i definitely don't see it that way right now um yeah. i think it's irresponsible not to contribute to a future that you want to build um and sure you can have a cushy job at palantir but if you think you're in a position to work on something more impactful then again our, our set of privileges are such that we should be working on what we think is the most impactful thing in our, in our lives um, so I think the decision making is actually like quite straightforward from from then on. And again, I think there's like been enough education over the past number of decades, even like 
amongst family members and people around you where it is people kind of just appreciate that this is a completely appropriate path um, for a certain cohort of people um, so I think that was it and we kind of in our like recruiting conversations mm -hmm. many candidates like ask us about you know how did you think about taking the risk that is starting a new company etc um, and that's really mindset like for us it's not a risk it's yeah. If, if you are deeply passionate about a particular problem, you think you are very well positioned in the world to solve it, mm -hmm. and you think it's impactful, then the biggest risk is not doing it because the, the like opportunity cost of not doing it is just like significantly higher than the opportunity cost of not working at a great company for a few more years. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that directly answers the question, but I think it definitely didn't feel like that big a leap. The The biggest leap was the rich serendipity of meeting style and finding one person yeah. that you kind of have the right relationship with and trust deeply enough to start something together. Um, and then from then on, it's just the logistics and like timing problem. Makes sense. I think, I think you have answered it very beautifully because from what I can understand, like if you have the resources, if you have the talent and uh, just like you had the you had the support of your co-founder which was really, really incredible then it sort of becomes your duty to you know just do do that thing and you know at least try it and see if it works out or not so absolutely yeah the the, regret... I think the word duty is actually i think it yeah. is a duty i actually see it as a duty um yeah. whether to, to whom i don't know maybe it's to oneself maybe it's to others it doesn't really matter but the point is yeah. it's irresponsible not to yeah, no, I think over the years, if you can, if you're able to transform uh, recruitment, hiring across a set of organizations across the globe and really transform their internal culture and their internal quality of talent, I think that's a, that's a good, uh, like a good vision to work for, which is, which is really great. Awesome. So let's, let's switch our focus to MetaView now. Um, before we dive into you know the nitty gritty of it, can you just for the audience, can you briefly explain what MetaView is in in very simple terms? Yeah, so MetaView today is um, a product that helps companies run amazing interviews, and we do that by helping interviewers get really good at running interviews. Um, that is different to uh, we're not a product that assesses candidates at the moment. We are not in the business of assessing candidates or giving a magical like AI thumbs up, thumbs down to candidates. We very much uh, essentially the opposite. We focus on interviewers and helping your interviewing machine as an organization become more consistent, more rigorous over time, but continuously. Um, and we do this by recording these conversations, transcribing them and uh, enriching that data and pulling insights out of that data, combining it with other data that is available within an organization and giving you insights that are otherwise impossible to have. Um, you can think of MetaView uh, a bit like an observability or telemetry or logging tool uh, for your interviews in the same way that Datadog would monitor your systems and help you understand trends and fix them. Uh, MetaView will help you understand trends uh, and fix issues within your interviewing process. Amazing, amazing. I was really fascinated when I was doing research for this podcast and came across this idea. I was like, uh, first, I was very thankful that, you know, like MetaView is working to really improve a certain aspect, which 
kind of has sidelined since a lot of years like companies really do want good talent but uh, we we like we as a company spend spend very less time thinking about how and how can we get candidate who be a whom we want to be i think that's what what meta is working on and uh, yeah i think you're you're using the latest and the greatest technology that your you know, really utilize those those technology advancements that are available now which probably might not have been available in the last 5 to 8 years great so uh, i i'll quote some numbers just to add a bit of weight to the conversation uh, again i okay i got these numbers from while i was doing the research so uh, metaview is almost Four four plus years old now, right? Uh, and you guys raised nearly seven million in pre-seed and seed rounds from incredible VC firms like Vertex Ventures, Fly Global, Village Global, uh, Palumni, uh, as well. So I think that's that's very exciting. Um, I was just curious to know, just from your from the back of your mind, how did you and your co-founder came up with this idea and like? i think I, i would request you to go back to the very early days when you just started uh and then how has the journey been up until now yeah so again the the kind of story goes way back so the again the the, the first most the like most important part of it is a few maybe about a decade ago when we met uh and that's like the the most important part of the founding story um in fact way back when we were working at a, a company called Alspa which was focused on financial education for children um and the kind of random conversations that we would be having that would get us excited you know just as a not necessarily talking about the product we were working on or anything which is like speaking as friends um were sometimes were often like around education and like early year education for younger people and things like that so that's uh, that th- those were some of the conversations that kind of brought us together uh, we we then went our separate ways um sal went to uber to lead one of their products in amsterdam which is their european headquarter um and i went to palantir at um at these companies we were both very involved in the recruiting process um and i'll speak a bit uh, more to to my to my experience i got very involved in the recruiting process at palantir because uh coming out of osper my the, the thing that i felt like i learned the, the the main lesson that i learned was that hiring decisions are the most important decisions companies make and at the time joining panther that was really just like a strong hypothesis for me um, and so i tried to spend as much time in the recruiting world at panther which is um uh, there's a very unique approach to how recruiting is run at that company and it's largely Uh, whatever there's some very like specific thesis and hypothesis about how to run recruiting so i felt there was a good place to verify or falsify this hypothesis which is hiring decisions are the most important decision in fact it's really the only thing that matters because if you do that well everything else will take care of itself um so spend a lot of time in the hiring space there um uh, whether by just contributing as an interviewer or um working on the system or the machine as a whole and trying to make it better 
uh, or contributing to making decisions on candidate on candidates, whether for uh, my team or other people's team or the the like the broader company. Um, and that was really where this idea that hiring decisions are the most important decision you make became a fact. So I think uh, I think everyone really agrees with that. There's no one. It would be foolish not to agree with it. Frankly, is that's that's the truth. Um, but the thing that I realized and that in parallel style uh, as well was realizing was that interviews are the most outcome defining part of this process. In other words, interviews are where you learn the most about candidates. There's also where candidates learn the most about you. So the vast majority of knowledge gained about you or about the candidate is, is happening in these conversations. And so now you're in this world where you have your the most important system in your organization or your, your most important product is your hiring machine and the most important part of this product are interview interviews and those that part of the product is extremely opaque and so it is very hard to do it's very hard to make changes to it and knowing what the outcome is because you can't measure anything mm -hmm. um and of course, there's a reason for that. It's because the primary artifact in these interviews are conversations. Historically, conversations have been very hard to capture. They're very unstructured. There's many, there are many good reasons why they, it wasn't possible to do um, good telemetry on interviews, essentially. Um, but that was really the genesis um, for MetaView, uh, that realization that interviews are the most outcome-defined part of the hiring process, and hiring processes are like the most important process in a, in a company. Um, so kind of take that and, and it took a while to like get gain that secret or gain that learning uh, take that to one side um, and then there is another factor which is we again as we spoke about a bit earlier as people in this particular position that we are we have been put in life let's say we want to spend our life on what we think is the most impactful problem that we are best positioned to solve right and the the abstract conversation that kind of started all of this between me and Saul, this was probably in mid 2017 maybe and uh, just a again a casual conversation not with a with any specific intent to start a company was just thinking about how can we make it such that no bad hiring decisions are ever made or put differently how can we make it so that everyone is doing the best work of their life at any given point in time um and that eventually resulted in thinking back at this truth, which was interviews are super important. Um, and it, recognizing that that is like a great wedge into the world of making sure no bad hiring decisions are ever made and making sure people are doing the best work of their life. Of course, it's like a huge problem space. You could solve it in a myriad of different ways, uh, but you got to find your niche and like a good entry point into the problem space. And we thought from our experiences, we thought this was a great entry point because it's something that we wanted. Um, and uh, that's really what ultimately became MetaView uh, a couple of months later when uh, we decided to, that the best way to verify or falsify this is to leave our jobs and uh, just like talk to a lot of people, build something, put it in front of people and just like iterate. Um, and that's, basically what we did in mid 2018 we decided to give metaview a go mm -hmm. we built a pretty early version of the product we spent a whole bunch of time talking with any anyone in the industry from people in hr or recruiting but in 
talking to functional leaders, VP engineering, engineering managers, software engineers, operations people, finance people, founders, anyone, and really trying to understand what, what are their problems when it comes to building teams and uh, like what is the vocabulary they use to describe these problems and really trying to understand. We weren't trying to sell a product. We were just trying to understand the problem to see whether this product that we thought is going to solve a problem for us, is it just us or is it for everyone? Um, and it was very obvious that we could solve a problem for the vast majority of companies on the planet. Um, and that's really, uh, that's really where, where things got things got started and then we've made a obviously made a lot of progress over the past uh, three four years that I'm happy to talk about um, uh, but that's uh, that's where it all started and uh, that's really where our mission came together which was to power people decisions with the truth um, and we can later talk about the future of the company as well but that's ultimately what we're about we're about we want MetaView to be the platform where someone goes to make people decisions um, we think making good people decisions fundamentally uh, is a data problem. And it's about capturing the data, certain data that's not being captured, combining that with um, data that's already been captured and fusing it in a way that can result in actual insights instead of just rows and rows, rows of like raw data that is not particularly insightful. Uh, and we, we decided to start with a particular niche, which is making sure people are amazing at interview. Makes sense. That's a that's such a profound story. Uh, a lot of casual conversations with your co-founder just stacked up together to, in the end, solidify something which is now called MetaView. That's that's an amazing, amazing story. I think. Um, also, I, I yeah. So it, it is worth mentioning the when <laughs> when you tell these stories in kind of looking back, they they do sound super smooth because the narrative is perfected. Um, of course, like one, when these are happening, the, the, the terrain is a lot messier. Uh, but of course, the story sounds super smooth. Um, and it wasn't far off this smoothness. But the, the you know, for people who are just start, trying to like start a company, and they think, Oh, my God, all these people have such like fluid narratives, I think narratives become much more fluid as time passes, because you forget the details. And you're just like talking about the main events that happen. So it, obviously it sounds much better looking back. Yeah. And it's missing a lot of the detail, but. Yeah, definitely. Every, every narrative comes with its own set of challenges, which kind of evaporate after some time, but still, you know, the traces remain. And when you reflect back, it, it's, it's pretty much evident how many hurdles you had to cross to, to reach here. Um, Great, great. I was also, uh, as a part of preparing for this podcast, I was listening to a couple of conversations that you and uh, your co-founders had done uh, previously. So what, what I got, like a bit of, bit of rough context from them was that you both, although you were both involved in uh, like tech, tech leadership roles in, in Palantir and Uber, but a lot of your and your co-founders time was being spent hiring people because definitely like Palantir and Uber would have been at a very hyper growth rate at that point of time. And then you were actively recruiting a lot of talent. So that's when, you know, I think you both got that realization that how critical this, this whole process is and what's the, what's the need of change and how can you both improve it with your, with your idea. So yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
before we move uh, on to it, you you said that like your ultimate vision is to, I mean, be from a recruitment standpoint, be be the platform which which companies use uh, altogether. So, I, although I had uh, reserved this question for a later stage, but I think because we have hit the chord, I think I'll I'll ask you this: as a vision to grow, uh, do you think yourself becoming something? like a like a work day which is there for i think medium to large organizations currently or like metaview is a different ball game altogether and it's it's mm. not comparing with comparing itself with any service which is out there currently yeah i think uh, obviously worked is a phenomenal company doing phenomenal things but we are we are different i would think of worked as a system of record mm. um and i think the best way to think of MetaView is as a system of intelligence, where it is just it is just a different category of software that has not really existed yet, and um, there are we we and a few other companies that are pioneering it, and it is where you, uh, and I I also don't think it it is just about recruitment. I think it's about people decisions, um, and a small part of people decisions is recruiting. Uh, maybe not a small part. Maybe like a you know a, a reasonable chunk of it is about recruiting. But it goes far beyond that, whether it is whether deciding who needs to get promoted, whether it's deciding who are the best group of people to form a team. Um, and there's a whole there's a whole range of like people decisions that need to be made within an organization. And all of this uh, requires data for good decisions to be made and for that data to be meaningful. So there's one thing to just store the data and present it to you. Um, increasingly in a world where there is abundance of data that is not useful um, but there's another thing which to to fuse all of this data together and give you actual like, actionable insights um, and that is really what MetaView is is about today and it's also going to be about like tomorrow which is forming intelligence um, so that you can make phenomenal people decisions again far beyond just recruiting um, although that is where our focus is focus is right now um, so that's our hope. And to kind of like take one step back from it, the, a good way to think about it is you know, starting from our mission, which, as I said, it's to uh, power people decisions with the truth, um, meaning we want people decisions to be just as data informed as, as other key business decisions that are being made today. Um, and the board data informed is key in that. We think this is fundamentally a data problem. We think there's a whole bunch of ambient data available in the enterprise. This is data that is just like in the in in the space in the space, um, a, a bunch of which is not being captured. So, you know, prior to this, prior to MetaView, you would have a conversation, an interview, and then that was gone forever. There was no way to like do anything with it. There's many other bits of data like that available in the enterprise. There's a whole bunch of data that is already available in the enterprise and it's being captured, um, and to seek truth, to power people decision with the truth for us is to fuse this data together in a way that is insightful to, you know, ultimately a human that needs to make a judgment. Um, and we're also not in the business of trying to make decisions for humans. These are people decisions are fundamentally nuanced and require human judgment, but we can do, we can, we can, we can give you the right kind of data at the right time with the right insight so that you can make, you know, orders of magnitude better decisions 
Um, and that's what one wants it to be. We want it to be the platform where you get the best picture of your you know, people ecosystem to make decisions. Um, and yeah, so a bit, you know, it's the, the next generation, which would be not just about rows of data, but it would be about intelligence uh, derived from that. Makes sense. That's, I think that's a great narrative. Uh, um, so I, I just wanted to throw some light on MetaView's current product offerings. Now, this is something which just came, like I, I did some research through the website and everywhere else. And this is what I could understand. I might be wrong in, in some areas. So feel free to correct and really dive deep into any of these areas if you want to. So what I could understand is, so MetaView's product offerings are currently have like three pillars. One is metrics. So which, which more, more or less means data and analytics to improve interviews, interviewers, uh, like interviews insights to how they conduct interviews reduced and eliminate bias, uh, and then, you know, eventually build a more robust hiring process, mostly through, through data. Um, the second aspect of it is like a coaching, uh, experience where, which directly or indirectly leads to interviewer training. The third point is shadow paths, uh, which is more or less interview, interview shadowing. Uh, so can you like briefly touch base on these, these pillars? Is there something which is, uh, which I didn't grab in it, which you want to really showcase more about or things that might have changed the last few months, which I'm probably not updated about. Um, yeah. So those are, those are definitely, those are some of our products, but I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll go one level of abstraction above that, and then we'll see how these ones fit in. So, uh, the MetaView value proposition to our customers right now is around four pillars um, and they kind of uh, form, a, form a loop if you think about it and I'll describe it. And it starts with onboarding. And the question that the onboarding part of our product tries to answer for our customers is, I, have, I require new interviewers um, and how do I take someone who's never interviewed uh, to prepare them and make them ready for their first interview? In other words, how do I train someone? How do I onboard someone onto the interviewing machine? Um, and that is like the first pillar of our product. So it's all about onboarding. Um, and so we have a set of products that try and uh, help organizations do this onboarding. Shadow paths that you mentioned is an example of that. So we have taken a process that's historically been a, a very classical spreadsheet jujitsu type uh, process where it's like incredibly hard to manage, very hard to track, very time consuming for many humans. We have taken that uh, and given a certain series of things that our product unlocks that we don't need to get into detail of, and we have made that entirely autonomous. Um, so there is no Excel Jiu Jitsu, it's all completely managed by MetaView. You need an order of magnitude fewer humans to get that, get it done, and you gain an order of magnitude more speed in onboarding and a person who's never interviewed to a person who's now ready to do their first interview. So onboarding is the first pillar of our product and with a set of things that um, unlocks that. Now, once you've onboarded someone, they then need to interview. And that's our second pillar of our product is all about interviewing. What is the set of things that many of you can do to help your interviewers just interview, conduct the interview, have, uh, good recall and uh, be present in the conversation, 
etc etc so this is all around the the set of products that we have around capturing the conversation smoothly and uh, without you having to do anything making sure that a very high quality transcript is available to you making sure you have perfect recall um, so you don't have to take notes about you know everything that is said and and things like that so that is the interview uh, pillar um, so that's two out of four pillars we've spoken about so far uh, after you have done an interview uh, there is then you want to know essentially how like how you did and that is the measure part of our product um, which you've alluded to for example with our metrics uh, so the the question that that tries to answer is look we have a bunch of interviewers that are interviewing um, how are they doing as a machine as a an, on, on aggregate and so we pull a variety of different data out of interviews from who's speaking when to what kinds of questions are being asked asked to who's you know are, are there interruptions happening to like what kind of things are discussed in introductions to what kind of questions are candidates asking a variety of different metrics and uh, measurements that we pull out of interviews um, so that we can firstly show these back to interviewers so that they get an idea of what is just like what is the data within the interviews but more importantly aggregating that together for leadership in organizations so that they understand the essentially how consistent are they being how rigorous are they being and what are the trends within the organization um, so measure is the third pillar um, and lastly when someone has interviewed and they've seen their data it's kind of pointless if they can't use that data to get better um, and that in, brings us to our fourth pillar which is learn and it's all about as an as an interviewer how can i learn from the interview that i just did um, and that is all about our coaching uh, and some other auxiliary products which uses the data and the measurements that we pull out of interviews to provide hyper contextual personalized feedback to interviewers feedback that is specific to you as an interviewer based on the interview you just did and not just like a generic it's not just generic feedback that everyone gets it's hyper specific to you and to give you an example of that if i was an interviewer and i did an interview and i asked a closed question uh, metaview will give me feedback on why it is usually not a good idea to ask closed questions why you should ask open questions it will show me an example from my interview where I asked a closed question and it will make a suggestion on how to change that question to an open question um, that's like one form of feedback we can provide amongst like hundreds of different um, types of feedback and so those are the four pillars of our product you onboard an interviewer the interview measure learn and then you enter a loop of interview measure learn interview measure learn and you constantly interview we make measurements uh, and we help you learn um, and so we have many different like ultimately like features that fall into these four uh, categories we've spoken about three of them here which are metrics coaching and uh, and shadow paths uh, but that whole loop is really the value proposition to our customers that's also how we structure and organize our product teams internally um, so that we're our product work is directly aligned with the value prop to our customers. Okay, the, yeah, that, I think that's an excellent uh, deep dive into into the whole setup. So, I I think it it won't be correct to call these pillars because then it makes them sound a bit individual. So, I think it's more like interconnected bridges, or like different stations of a subway. So you go to station A and then go to station B, station C and station D. So it's, it's the whole interconnected loop of yeah. the subway framework, which, which sort of makes more sense here. 
uh, cool. Uh, thanks for that. Really, really helps with understanding the whole structure uh, of, of MetaView's product offerings. Um, moving ahead, this, th this particular question was when I read about it, I think it was an article uh, on, on a website which, which focuses on uh, European startups. But it, the, this thing, I'm, I'm very closely, uh, I'm very curious about myself, but when I saw that, you know, you guys are working on this particular aspect as well, I got like a bit more curious about MetaView and how they're uh, solving the talent problem uh, across organizations. So um, th this question is primarily focused towards how you're helping organizations to reduce and then ultimately eliminate the, the gender bias and inclusivity, inclusivity problem, which definitely remains a big, big, biggest challenge across a lot of, um, a lot of companies, especially with regards to their hiring. Uh, I've been I've worked with Amazon and Expedia, and those two companies are really working hard towards towards this as well. And I'm sure a good uh, length and breadth of companies are also doing that. So I think with with what MetaView is currently doing and what sort of data pool that they have, they have they have the capability to assist uh, talent acquisition teams to really empower them with data and insight in order to what's the actionable strategy to reduce it. Um, the, the article mentioned that um, women candidates typically get 12% less speaking time than, than men candidates on average, uh, which is something I learned uh, for the first time. And I think that's, that was something MetaView's intelligence really showed uh, in in some, uh, in I think a survey or something. So, just want to touch base on a couple of anecdotes, if you could share, or some some actionable steps which you are helping your clients and organizations take to really solve for this problem, which has been continuing since a very long time. I guess uh, if you, if you're able to share some some of the anecdotes. Yeah, for sure, and I think it's worth. So this is quite a complex topic and there is MetaView is not going to solve your diversity problems. Uh, MetaView can only contribute in, ultimately you need to want to solve it. And I like, that's like quite an important distinction between you can't just like ship a product and expect to solve what are really nuanced like human, human issues. Um, and the best way, the best way to describe this is uh, again, a product like Datadog, uh, which is the observability for systems, for products, um, that is never going to like solve your problems. Uh, what it is going to do is going to monitor your systems and let you know that what trends are, let you know what, you know, have essentially some sort of alerting um, and show you where there might be problems. And ultimately, you need to have the desire as an organization to work hard and like make hard decisions to want to solve that whatever problem it is that your system is telling you and so that is what metaview does now without a product like metaview you will never know you had a problem because it is impossible to know that your male interviewers are treating female candidates differently that is literally impossible to know unless you have a product like metaview um, and 
so you do need that in place like any a, a world-class modern organization will have to have an interviewing intelligence platform to be able to even know what are happening in these interviews and this example is um really like an obvious example there are many other um, areas that you might find divergence from what you would hope you're achieving uh, as well that you will only know if you have a you have a product like metaview and uh, ultimately a lot of these also goes back to the basics of as an organization or as a ta leader or as a ceo do we know what we're looking for in candidates and really taking the heart like these are hard questions because you need to really be reflective on what are we looking for what are the attributes we care about um, what are the set of questions that we think will give us the most amount of signal on these attributes that we care about for this particular role? And before you interview someone or before you start hiring, you really need to answer these questions. Um, there's a good book on this called um, Who, um, WHO, and maybe the type, the name of the book might be a little different, but it's Who. Um, and that like essentially talks about how do you, what is all the prep that you need to do before you even start hiring? Um, and that's critical in uh, ensuring consistency, which is ultimately what's important in making sure you're treating everyone in the same way. You just you want to be consistent. Um, once you have done all of that hard work, the only way to know whether it's being is actually working and it's being effective is if you have intelligence on top of these conversations. And then product like ours not only um show you the trends and the analytics and the aggregate level data uh, but we also of course through our uh, coaching product um, help every person take a step towards being more consistent and uh, uh, help them running like more equitable uh, equitable interviews uh, by giving them nudges and feedback and things like that and this is not about at all a like a big brother tool um, this is about helping everyone be the best version of themselves by giving them insightful productive actionable feedback both on things that they're doing amazing at and things that they need to improve on um, and if there is an instance where someone can improve on ensuring different cohorts of candidates whether it's the cohort is divided by gender or not doesn't matter if it's about ensuring people an interviewer is treating different cohorts of candidates the same then our product will in a productive way, give that nudge to make sure that person becomes more consistent. If someone is already really good at that, then our product will ensure to like reinforce that so that that person doesn't uh, diverge from what is ultimately like a really good, um, like good methodology to have. Um, so that's uh, that's a little about you know uh, interview intelligence, uh, let's say, and similar to any other form of intelligence, it will our product will sharpen your knife. But ultimately, you need to decide what you want to cut with your knife. Um, and if you are a serious organization who wants to last, you will have to work hard in making sure you have a diverse team. Uh, and again, gender diversity is just one part of it. There's many other forms that forms of diversity that are important. And we will definitely sharpen your knife. But you need to decide that that's the that you know that's the thing that you want to cut with. Um, and of course, many of the if not all of the customers that we work with, these are world-class companies that know to win, they would have to do that. So yeah. uh, that's how our product ends up being a must-have for them. Makes sense. Uh, so what I gather is, I mean, MetaView essentially won't directly solve this problem, but it can empower teams. It can empower leader, the leaders who are actually making their decision 
to really think about things and you know using data to technically lower that gap so they, they are providing the capabilities but eventually it's uh, like a human problem would have a human solution sort of uh, thing right pretty much so, yes we can tell you we can show you the truth uh, and then you can you can decide that that is not the you don't want that to be the truth so you're gonna have to change it at some point and uh, and we can then show you whether that is changing or not um, but it will be it will be foolish to think a you know a, a bit of code can solve what is a very nuanced human problem which is like diversity and we, we would not we would not want to do that um, but we want to empower you to be extremely data informed so that you can make uh, good judgment and see the effect of that judgment and even if the judgment goes in the wrong direction and if you actually make your you know make your diversity worse that is that is still a much better place to be than being blind to it because at least now you know okay whatever we just did now was not effective we know that because we're seeing the data cool change a plan we'll try something else and eventually you'll solve that problem uh, but obviously the, in the pre-metaview world it's like completely opaque you basically have no clue what you do makes sense it makes a lot of sense great um this section i i really reserved it for a few quick uh fun very light-hearted rapid fire questions so um i'll ask you a couple of questions and you just have to answer it in a couple of words or sentences um okay. yeah this let, let's have some fun we have talked a lot about the serious topics but now it's time to have some fun What's one question that you always ask when you are interviewing someone? Um, I think there are there are many questions I always ask, but one of them would be. Okay, these are meant to be quick answers. Anyway, I'll give you a good answer. So, yeah. uh, one of the things I uh, one of the attributes I personally really care about is um, the the level, the degree to which someone has a growth mindset. I think one of the proxies for having a growth mindset is self awareness. Um, I think one of the one of the questions that I almost always ask um, that is that gives you like a good view into someone's self-awareness and in fact I've stolen this question from a, another a friend of mine at Palantir is who's someone who has a negative opinion of you and um, just trying to answer there are certain people who can ask that question and there are certain people who can't mm -hmm. uh, and then once a person has recognized someone has a negative opinion on them then you can have a pretty interesting discussion into why and uh, whether that negative opinion is reciprocated or and things like that and you really you really get into how self-aware someone is which i find is usually a good proxy for how much of growth mindset they have um, but that's something i almost always ask that's a very interesting question uh yeah can definitely open up a lot of avenues for the person to answer and can really show great detail about how, how self-aware they are. Pretty good. Um, the third one is, what's the best and worst advice that you have received as an entrepreneur? Um, this is quite hard. I think one of the best advice, maybe maybe it's the best advice, I don't know. It's, it's obviously not one I've directly received. The world has received from Paul Graham, which is do things that don't scale. Um, yeah. I think I think it is nuanced and it's up for interpretation, but the however implicit way I've interpreted it in my head has been one of the most 
useful thing, like useful mental models uh, for, for me at least as a person and really therefore for MetaView as a company. Um, that's, so I would say that's the best advice for the sake of this conversation. Um, and the worst is difficult. I don't think, I think most advice is very good in isolation and yeah. they are almost all very terrible once you realize that you're lacking all the context necessary to give good advice for someone's particular scenario. Uh, so I don't know if the what's worst advice, but I think I most mean, advice is yeah, like good enough. By, by worst advice, I mean like something which you thought, let's say at an early stage, could really impact your the journey or could have been difficult, but eventually played out pretty well. Like mm. sort of, uh, you know, there's a lot of overthinking when when people start companies, right? Like, will this happen? Will this not happen? Will I able to raise money and stuff like that? So some did something that was actually seeming like a mountain earlier, but then it, it eventually turned out to be a rock, some, something like that. I don't think I have a good answer to that. Um, yeah, I think I have a good answer. I think if, okay. most, most advice is good advice and then you can apply your own context to it and it ends up not being very helpful. Um, but sense. every now and again, there's like good nuggets. Yeah. Uh, moving ahead to the fourth question, this is more centered around mindfulness and how do you keep yourself sane in, in a busy schedule of running a startup. So after a long day of work, how do you like to de-stress yourself? Do you have like a mindfulness practice which you do every day? Uh, how do you mm. keep calm in chaos is what I'm, I'm mm. trying to ask. Yeah, I think uh, there's like a specific part of that question that is key and the part of the question says after a long day of work what's key for me is that that concept doesn't really exist in my world I don't I don't do anything after I try and blend in things throughout the a day uh, I happen to work most of the day but for instance I play tennis and that's like my um, my way of getting my mind focused on something that is you know not specific to work because once you're on court it's very hard to think about anything else um, but yeah, I don't necessarily do that after work. Sometimes it's during the day, sometimes it's early in the day, sometimes late in the day. Um, and that's generally how I really like to do things, which is I don't really like the stop start nature that the world seems to suggest is appropriate. I also don't like suddenly taking a one week holiday and say, okay, now I'm offline and then go offline and then come back online after a week. I don't really like that. I quite like to blend it. Maybe you know, we'll go somewhere nice for like a day or we go somewhere nice for a month and we're working from there, but because it's a change of scenery, it, it, you're actually ending up being much more chilled or, or whatever. I quite like that like blend of doing everything that's important in life in, in one go instead of like start stopping. Um, and so, yeah, I would say tennis is one of the things that I do where it's like very solitary for me and I'm in my own head, but it's not necessarily a, okay, now I've finished working, let's wind down. Oftentimes I'll play during the day and I'll come back and I'm back to work. Um, or whatever. I quite like blending it that way. Nice, nice. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense because work never stops for an entrepreneur. So you have to find those moments in between your work to to really go out and then come back again. And so yeah. you don't have like a fixed schedule. Like you're you're going there six a.m. every day or yeah or six p.m. every day, but any 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 slot between your birthday which is but it's not really that work cool. never stops like life never stops like if my i don't know if someone important if my mom sends me a text message or like calls mm -hmm. me if 
if I ha- if I'm in a position to answer it, I'm not going to think, oh, well, I'm working now. I'm not going to answer the phone. But like, obviously, yeah. this is an important person who is part of my life. And if if I'm in a position to answer the call, I will answer the call. I'm not going to think, no, I'm offline right now from personal life because I'm working. Um, and that work is the same for me. If I'm in a position to be available, then I will be. If I'm not, I won't be. It doesn't really matter if I'm whatever in it's during the working hours or it's like 4 a.m. Um, same with tennis. Sometimes, you know, it's really nice to play after lunch period sometimes because the weather is a bit nicer. Um, and if others are available, we'll do, we'll do that. So, Awesome. Awesome. Great. Uh, the fifth question is, uh, we were talking about this before the podcast as well, remote only or hybrid teams? I think it depends, but for us, hybrid works really well. Okay. Awesome. Um, sixth question, pretty interesting. Um, if you get a chance to move to a different city than London, which city would it be and why? I know, I think you've spent most, like you're based in London currently and you've spent a lot of years here, but any other city which comes to your mind where you could potentially relocate to move MetaView's headquarters there or stuff like that? Yeah, I think, I think the... Hmm, I have really like cop-out answers for most of your questions, but let's see. The London's great. Obviously, I'm, I'm now used to that. I've lived here 15, 16 years. Um, and it's a phenomenal city. There are... I've lived in Tehran for almost another 15 years as well. As I was born and raised there. Um, again, in, interesting city. Um, I recently spent a month, a month in Amman in Jordan which um, what exceeded my expectations. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's a lovely place, lovely people, lovely environment. Um, that's another good spot. Uh, but I think, and I also, I think the thing that matters most, especially as it pertains to MetaView, is that the world is very small. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to be in another location in the world in, you know, ultimately just a few hours. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, but as a... As an individual human, uh, I quite like Santa Barbara as a location okay. um, because it's like nice environment and that, that like, suits me and my partner's personalities, uh, but also it's like close enough to important hubs. Uh, yeah. So yeah, quite quite like Santa, Santa Barbara. Uh, but again, the world is so small that uh, you know we can be anywhere within hours and stay there for as long as we need to. So. Yep. Great. That's an interesting outlook. Um, the last one is around mentorship uh, or like generally three startups, entrepreneurs, products, or mentors that you most admire, like currently mm. something that really excites you at this phase. Yeah. So let's see. Um, the... I have huge admiration for an individual called Will Larson. He's the um, author of some very useful books, CTO at Calm, and he's worked at uh, Stripe and Uber and Dig and a bunch of companies like that. Um, And my admiration is largely because Will's like an exceptional systems thinker and therefore structures like the ontology of a problem in such a way that it's like very digestible and largely like sound uh so it is generally it generally feels correct or it's very hard to look at something 
a, a way he's like thought of a problem or a system and think that's incorrect because they, they, they generally feel very sound. And so it results in his advice is always like very good in my opinion uh, and very pragmatic and very applicable and things like that. So Will Larson would be a person, let's say that um, I like get a lot of value from, uh, from. Um, a startup that I admire a lot is Hex, which is a, I think of it as like a collaborative, essentially a collaborative notebook. Uh, really, if notebooks like uh, data science notebooks were invented in 2022, what, how would they be? Well, they'll be like the way Hex designed them. Um, they, are, they are friends uh, of us from the Palantir time. And the thing that I admire most about them is not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily like the execution of the product or the, uh, what I admire about them is their velocity. They have a phenomenal team with very high velocity. Um, and I think that is the most important thing at like any company, but of course an early stage company where they have this ability to ship just so rapidly um, and therefore learn so rapidly. Um, so really like what they're doing there. Um, and I would say I'm also a big fan. So we said two things, Will Larson as a person, Hex, the product as a, um, you know, as a method of working, they're like high velocity team. And then I can think of a product as well, Linear, um, as a product I, I admire, not again, not necessarily because of the exact details of the product or the, the, the outcome that the product seeks to achieve. I don't, I don't particularly care about that, um, but I think they do a great job at reminding me how important like craft is and um, just help me remember that I as a person get energized by caring about my craft and linear is like a really good example of folks that care about the craft uh, and I think I, I, I find a lot of energy into that yeah, from that. Great, great. Pretty interesting. Uh, all the three mentions are, are pretty interesting and pretty unique which I'll personally also follow as well uh that's that's great now uh, this this brings us to almost the end of the conversation um i had reserved this last question to talk a, like a bit about something which i was personally curious about while doing this research and then if you can share a couple of minutes on the future vision of metaview as well so this this question is something like this like are you like currently it's it, MetaView's focus is mostly on the B2B segment. Uh, are there any plans or ideas to open this intelligence up to the candidate side of, of, uh, of things as well? So helping, you know, uh, interviewees to get better uh, based on their, their skills that they have. Probably they can utilize this data data set to correct their mistakes, improve fluency, confidence, and, and stuff like that. So I, I think with the data that you're capturing and the intelligence you're putting onto it, there's a whole whole value you can unlock towards the interview part of it. Do you think about this? Is there on, on the roadmap of, of the future? Um, and just to clarify the question, is it, uh, it helping candidates essentially? Is that yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would I think that is not on the roadmap for the foreseeable future, um, and really it's a question of and foreseeable future for a company of our size the 
you know, it's not like 20 years, right? It is, yeah. it's like a fairly short period of time. Um, but, and that's really a function of focus where the, there is still a lot left for us to do in ensuring enterprise and like an enterprise is making uh, people decisions based, based on truth. Um, and whilst it's very tempting and like very exciting to see how we can apply essentially the same underlying platform uh, to help a another um, constituent of this problem, which um, this problem space, um, which are candidates, I think it would be it would lack focus if we did that for us. And so we are going to like remain focused on helping companies get really good at uh, doing this thing. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean I think there is we have certain ideas that I don't want to dig into too much just because. Um, I think they're secrets essentially, um, but I think there are ways in which candidates can play a part in making organizations become really good at making people decisions. So there are certain ways you can involve candidates in ensuring um, in ensuring their voice matters essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't that is not necessarily in the form of us going to candidates and applying the same intelligence and helping them get better. And it's uh, almost the opposite. About how can the candidate contribute? To this organization getting better i think that's certainly on our roadmap and it's something that we think a lot about um, but just purely helping uh, applying the same intelligence to you know, help candidates get better at interviewing things like that is something that we're excited about the idea of but we have to like um refrain from thinking about it too much because otherwise we'll be spread too thin yeah that's 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 good great uh awesome just just before closing if we have touched upon this at, at various stages in this conversation, but if you can just encapsulate what's the future vision that you and your co-founder said hold for MetaView yeah. in in the months and years to come. Yeah, so you know, it, it really just starts uh, and ends with our mission, which is to power people decisions with the truth. That means we want to make people decisions just as data informed as other uh, key business decisions. Uh, people decisions are the most important business decisions. So uh, there's essentially there's some catch up that needs to be done so that they're data informed. And that we think is fundamentally a data problem uh, because there's a host of data available in the enterprise that is not being captured or uh, combined in a way that could be insightful to a person needing to make a human judgment. And we want MetaView to be the platform where you go to get the perfect picture of your people environment. Um, and that is, that's really, frankly, it. Uh, it is a very hard problem to solve. Um, the like data problems are gnarly because uh, it's not just about mixing the right data together, but it's about making sure they're in the right, yeah. uh, in the right shape at all times and things like that. Um, but ultimately that's uh, MetaView will be the platform where people decisions are made. Um, because it's got to be the place where you can get the most insights. Not again, an emphasis on not just raw data, um, but combining that raw data to form intelligence um, in the way that we are actually doing it today for interviewing. Um, soon we will be doing it for any people decision that you make in an organization. And in our world, we don't know what soon means. Maybe it's you know months, maybe it's years, maybe it's decades. Um, don't 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 really mind when it is. We're just gonna work towards it. Awesome, awesome. 
that brings us to the end of the conversation. It was really nice talking to you, Shayar. Thank you for sacrificing your Sunday morning afternoon for this. Uh, really appreciate you to, you know, uh, spend like actually allocating time to that. You could be doing a hundred different things on your Sunday. But thanks so much for that. And I really wish you all the best uh, for your and MetaView's vision of the future. I think you guys are solving a really important problem. And I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you so much. Certainly not a sacrifice. Yeah, really pleased to be here. And thanks for having me. And yeah, hope to speak soon. All right. Great. Hey, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Ad Intellect. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or suggestion about this episode or the podcast in general, feel free to drop a note on intellect at the rate gmail.com. That is intellect at the rate gmail.com. Until next time, peace.